Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here at Cloud Wars Live, where we explore customer-centric business innovation by speaking with the dynamic companies making and using the modern technologies that are profoundly changing how the world works, lives, plays, and learns. Our guest today is Chris Powells, VP of Global Applications IT at Topcon, an international manufacturer of high-precision optical equipment that's created a compelling vision for what it does. And here's that vision making worksites and farms smarter and more productive. Chris, welcome to the Cloud Wars Live podcast, and thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Chris, Topcon sounds like a a fascinating company doing some really interesting cutting-edge things now. So could you start off, tell us a little about Topcon, like where it's been, what you're doing now, and where you see this ongoing digital transformation taking the company? Okay, thank you. So I joined Topcon about four and a half years ago. The company itself has a rich tradition going back more than 85 years. It's a Japanese company with divisions uh, all over the globe. I work in the positioning division. So specifically, we make productivity solutions using everything from satellite to laser to machine control to UAVs to help the construction, uh, the agriculture, the geopositioning um, and surveying markets, and really to tackle problems that the world is facing. One of the reasons I joined the company is that the macroeconomic conditions of the growing population on the planet are a thing that we all have to deal with. Um, you know, whether the forecast is exactly accurate, you know, we're looking at mm-hmm. around 9 billion people on the face of the planet at yeah. within the next 20 to 30 years. And we have deficits in the amount of food we produce and the infrastructure needs for roads and houses and bridges and dams for all of those people. And that was a compelling argument to me to join a company that was in an inflection point in technology to address some of those problems. Yeah, Chris, the vision of the company and sort of the the sweep of what you just described is quite compelling. And here was one other quote that I found on the TopCon site describing the company. It says, TopCon seeks to meet urgent global demand for modern infrastructure and sustainable architecture by leveraging the right technologies to help scale and optimize the way it is run. That's an ambitious outlook. It really is. And the demand is huge. I mean, the technology penetration in some of these markets is fairly low and the demand and the need is high. The most recent, I think the 2017 Civil Engineering Society's rating of the U.S. infrastructure was a D+. And that's roads, bridges, uh, mass transit, water, um, you name it, a D plus, right? Yeah. And, and I try yeah. and make it real. So in California, 50% of the road conditions are graded as poor. We have over a thousand bridges that are considered structurally deficient. You know, when you, when you start talking in terms like that, and, and every state has a story like that, you think, the amount of work we have to do to continue to scale for our population is, is huge. And if we can make technology that impacts, you know, a job site or a project by even 10% on something that is billions of dollars, that not only possibly getting to work safer, but actually the, the roads and bridges and, and water supply that we rely upon more sound. So it's things like that. And also, if we have to increase the global capacity for food on the planet by somewhere between 30 to 70 percent, the amount of 
opportunity in precision agriculture and the data needs that are required in order to cope with changing climates. If we can sense and manage and impact the yields in how we consume resources, um, in water conservation, in minimizing pesticides, all of those have an impact on people. Chris, I'm, I'm thinking back to your comment about the grade of a D plus that Engineering Society gave. And uh, as a guy who's received a few D pluses on report cards, I, I can relate to that. It's not a good grade. No. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like the D arguing the plus is a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for the sort of the sympathy play. Well, it was a plus. I, I didn't get real far with that. And But Chris, from what you've just described there, so Technology is not just for TopCon an enabler, but really a driving force behind your company's growth and your evolving strategy. That's right. So the, the question for my role and for a lot of the leaders around the company is, as we go to market and we address these problems, how do we help the company scale? How, how do we move fast enough that we take advantage of the inflection point that we have as an organization and are adaptable enough that we can meet these needs. Um, from a purely commercial point of view, in some ways, the demand is so huge, it's up to the quality of the company to execute on the market opportunity. The value in the IP bring in doing that. So, so there's absolutely a, an obligation and a, a challenge to me as an IT leader to do what I can to help the company be set up to capitalize on those opportunities. Chris, clearly the among those technologies you're using to capitalize on those opportunities is the cloud. And it sounds like more and more you're going to be relying on SAP's cloud capabilities in a big way. So tell us a little bit about why is this the right time for Top Gun to move aggressively into the cloud? It's always been an early adopter of cloud technologies. And I would say this goes back almost 10 years with some of the peripheral, more introductory cloud apps at the time. And I was looking at your Cloud Wars list and it's interesting because we we have cloud technologies from probably six or seven of those companies in different parts of our business. So we really resonate with all the activity going on in the market and the amount of energy and just constantly shifting landscape. Having said that, we made a strategic decision specifically with SAP many years ago. And as they have refreshed their architecture and their approach and come up with brand new strategies in the last two years, we've made some critical investments in specifically yeah. S4 HANA Cloud. But that's because we have a very diverse company with both internal growth and acquisitions um, you know, I like to start with the fact that I have the same problems that everybody else does. We run around 15 different ERP systems from different vendors, and we're on a path to consolidation. Mm -hmm. And some of those businesses are natural cloud businesses that we've acquired, and they yeah. need agility and flexibility. And others are wholly owned go-to-market distribution channels. So they're running as a small company in a particular region and as a sales and marketing business, they don't need the overhead of large enterprise. So we have um, taken a two-tier approach and anything that's really highly complicated or connected to our precision manufacturing has stayed on a traditional ERP system. And these 
agile businesses that were running in different markets or different parts of the world we've put in the cloud. And the technology has evolved so much that where before you might only have put something that was not mission critical in the cloud on something that you felt was sort of a conservative safe decision, the level of scalability and operational excellence you need in the cloud in order to be able to trust the concept of 24-7 P1 operations. Yeah, it definitely feels like in the past six to 12 months, there's been a real shift in the mindset of business executives like you that, as you said early on, the cloud is not just for these out on the fringes tracking how much vacation time people have, but moving more into the central production systems that they have. And Chris, that just sort of leads me, I know you said you've had a long relationship with SAP, but there's tons of cloud vendors out there. And no doubt each one was telling you it's the perfect fit for TopCon, but why did you make that big investment, particularly with SAP? Yeah, you're right. I think there's <laughs> certainly a lot of active selling happening. As a child of sort of TV commercials in, in the late 90s, I used to describe it as the hungry hippo wars, large companies uh-huh. trying to go out and gobble marbles. So the reason for us is connected to the diversity in our business. First of all, being able to deliver IT architecture that one end is supporting an office of maybe 15 people that are running a $10 million business, all the way to supporting some of the brand new IoT products that we have coming out and complicated financials to, again, precision manufacturing of satellite and, and LIDAR type of equipment. It's a challenge for any IT organization to have an architecture that supports all of that. So as the technology itself becomes ready, the question then is how quickly can we adapt and deploy capability both centrally and at the edges of the business so that you're not constantly trading off the value that you're delivering to some of these edge cases for the traditional ROI of if we make a change for the manufacturing floor that has a big ROI. If, if that's the model that you're in, it's a traditional IT model, but that means all of your emerging and innovative businesses are low ROI or un, unquantified. And that's not acceptable with the way yeah. this is evolving. Yeah. So you have to be able to do both. The cloud has given IT organizations the capability not to do a perfect and, like you could do one and the other, but the trade-off isn't as binary. You can do most things for both sides. And now a quick break to hear from our sponsor. SAP Experience Management is helping businesses connect to their customers and then connect customers back to those businesses. Just listening to your customers is not enough. Businesses need to respond, react, and relate to them as individuals. Each one of them has his or her own likes, dislikes, and preferences. By combining experience data with operational data, SAP can help your business turn customer insights into actions that make their experiences better. SAP Experience Management helps you turn customers into fanatics and products into obsessions. Learn more at sap.com slash xm. The best on SAP. Now back to the show. As you've described, Chris, with the diversity of the businesses in your company, plus the overall just acceleration of business cycles in, in the global economy, that capability is essential. That, that was you know, great how you put that, something beyond just a binary approach there. 
Chris, that ties into something else that I saw that TopCon's developed this digital first mindset and purpose. And it seems that clearly in your company, that's, it involves technology, but it touches every part of the company. So could you tell us a little bit about what is that digital first mindset and purpose and how does it play out not just within the company, but say with your customers as well? Yeah, so I always love the challenge in working in IT when you're in a technical company because the products themselves, I think, sometimes challenge you to become smarter and better. So what we make allows us to, and and let's say it's typically installed on a large piece of equipment, uh, the big iron vendors like a deer or a Caterpillar or Komatsu, Case New Holland, some of these very large construction or agriculture vehicles. And it allows us to know precisely where it is. We know what it's doing because we know what machine it is. And depending on the integration the customer adopts, we actually can sense and know relative to sometimes a millimeter exactly machine is supposed to be doing and and correct the machine to actually perform that function. The other interesting piece of it is the sensing piece of it. So when you talk about digital first, if we also then know how we've planted a field or we can adjust the amount of fertilizer or nitrates or water that's being consumed, all of those things allow this concept of how you apply internet of things and IOT to provide analytics on how to better use and consume the, the resources that we have. I think for you know, safety and forensic analysis or erosion. So if that's the world that our product lives in and trying to deliver value to our customers, then the burden on IT is how do we take these disparate businesses, connect them. We've got a number of different initiatives around big data to pull in content from heterogeneous systems, and then looking at elements of machine learning to start process automation, to use in-memory compute so that your analytics um, from operations are almost up to the minute. That's right. challenge reflected back on the IT side. And then to give the level of sort of fine-grained control that the C-suite needs in order to make market decisions. One of the, the most amazing things about working in a growth company is the plethora of opportunity, but the toughest decision also becomes choosing between those opportunities. What's a good, better, best investment for the company? And that requires some insight and not just the sort of finger-in-the-air legacy approach based on, you know, data that might be two weeks, two months, or two years out of date. Yeah, so there again, the impact of technology coming up to become board level, as you say, which markets go into, are there acquisitions to be made? How do we allocate these resources in a, in a growth company where these opportunities are big, but you've got to move faster, perhaps, Chris, right? Faster and more intelligently than ever before. I think that was a great example how you said from across these different business units, using big data, then using the machine learning, the analytics, and so on like that to get everybody in the company seeing not just where things have been, but in fact, where they're going. Completely agree. I also think, you know, there are challenges for these companies that are competing in these markets. They're converging in many ways. One might have been a niche player five years ago, but their portfolio has rapidly expanded. Somebody got left out of a market, but then they bought an acquisition to get back in the game. So it becomes interesting and in some ways philosophical, the decisions that you make, because it's not always about the immediate technology portfolio. It's about understanding the company vision. And one of the things that I think 
has been most important to me as I've seen some of these transitions is the changing nature between, let's just say, a, a vendor and a customer when you share responsibility for a mission critical application. And the old world, if you go back a bit again to date myself, is you know, you bought it, you own it, you installed it, you uh -huh. got all the bugs already. <laughs> right. So if there's yeah. a bug, you must have put it there. If you've paid your maintenance, here's our support queue and knock yourself out. And I'm stereotyping a little bit, but in many cases, it felt that the customer or client was on their own with minimal support from the vendor because the implementations were all so unique. And now companies have to commit to a certain level of standardization, the client side, but the cloud companies that are offering the service really have to have significant commitment to the customer, the customer experience, and the business outcomes of the customer in a way that some of the legacy companies didn't have. And I would even argue some of the native SaaS companies went into it not understanding what mission critical meant. And yeah. I think there have been some interesting traffic accidents along the way where yeah. people had to learn the lesson the hard way about what does it mean to have shared success and what's the alignment of company cultures on those business outcomes. That ability for some of these big companies to be able to change that mindset, because you described, right, back up the, the vendor backs a big truck up to your loading dock, pushes some stuff out, grabs the check, and that truck drives away as fast as possible. Um, that was the reality. But today, right, they've got to, and I think at first, some of the, as you said, even the native SaaS companies felt that the key to success is getting the application up and running smoothly. But it's beyond that, right? Your description of the shared business goals, shared outcomes, ensuring that it isn't just that an application is running right, but the business processes are doing the types of things that they were expected to do or promised to do. That's a huge shift in the mindset, right? Yeah. And I've taken it one step farther in some of the things that I've advocated, which is, let's say you have a number of cloud applications. Do you go for a suite from a single provider? Do you take multiple providers and stitch them together? I mean, in the world of APIs, most customers can do it yourself with almost anything. So then the pitch really needs to center around how do these things fit together natively and how does the process work across these these capabilities. And that gets to some interesting discussions, both on a process integrity level, on a master data level, and then even on an operational level. So what does uptime constitute? Is it that all the lights are blinking or is it that I successfully completed my process across multiple cloud apps? Chris, tell me, um, you know, it sounds like uh, you've got a lot, a lot of really exciting adventures going on there. What, what's next for you and your team? Let's see. I think four ERP cutovers in the next five months. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. um, what did you do that you feel you have that. to punish yourself? <laughs> yeah, I think we've spread some of our chips across the, the roulette. <laughs> um, we're making some investments in our digital assets strategy. So as our business evolves and we have more and more products coming out that are subscription, IoT, 
offerings, you know, we have to evolve our capability and we're spending some time doubling down on what's that going to take given our global footprint. And then aligning the internal big data strategy with some of our product external big data strategy and, and how do we take advantage of some of these compute systems. I mean, there's just some really exciting things going on. So I, I don't worry about being bored. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't sound like well, what a a fascinating story, Chris. And thank you. Uh, this has been a great conversation and really grateful for your time and the insights and you know, these perspectives that you've shared. Oh, it was a pleasure. So Chris, thanks again. And many thanks to all of you listeners for joining us here on Cloud Wars Live, where we explore the unfolding adventures of digital transformation and cloud computing and how those are profoundly changing how we live, work, play, learn, and experience the world. I hope you'll join us for another episode of Cloud Wars Live and please share your feedback with me at bobevanspa at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.